When our oven stopped working about a year ago, uh, my wife and I we went shopping and we found another one, a good one, I thought, because it was on sale. It was a clearance item. It was 50% off, so that means it was a good one. Um, and when it was delivered, I was looking at the instruction manual, and I saw that this oven had what was called a Sabbath mode. A Sabbath mode. I'm going, what? Well, I'm intrigued about my new stove. Oh, maybe a Christian stove here. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't quite a Christian stove. During, in the literature, it said during the Sabbath, or they said Shabbat, and religious holidays in Judaism, uh, there may be restrictions on certain activities that can extend to the use of appliances. I'm thinking, I don't think I have any restrictions to the use of appliances, but I kept reading. It says uh, restrictions may include turning appliances on or off using control panels and activating lights and sounds. And the Sabbath mode allows people to use their household appliances without violating their religious laws. And when the appliances are put into the Sabbath mode, certain features may be modified or disabled to accommodate these needs. And as I was reading that, I was starting to think of Pharisees a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I also have uh, gone to visit people at the hospital, in particular Lankanal Hospital, on Saturdays, and I see signs that designate a Sabbath elevator. And again, I was kind of like wondering what that was all about. And I, I read up on it a little bit more and it said many other hospitals have this, including uh, the UCL, UCLA Medical Center and Rabbi Pearl Barlev, who is the Jewish chaplain at the medical center there, wants everyone to know that the hospital's Shabbat or Sabbath elevator will take you to your designated floor no matter what your faith. Interesting. They say Shabbat is the Jewish Sabbath that runs from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown and during that time many Jewish tradition, Jews traditionally follow an injunction against using electricity. The Shabbat elevator somehow meets that requirement by stopping automatically on every floor during Shabbat and observe Jewish holidays. There is no need to push any buttons. I, 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 think, I think that it still uses electricity. I don't know. I, maybe they have a, a so, uh, some donkey pulling it, I don't know. But I think it really does use electricity. But it eliminates the work of pushing the button. Uh, you know, there's a lot of debate and confusion about what the Bible says regarding the Sabbath. And I want to be talking about the Christian Sabbath today. It's our fourth commandment in the Decalogue. This morning we'll be continuing in our series on the Ten Commandments looking at Exodus chapter 20 verses 8. Through 11. If you have your Bible, uh, please turn with me in your Bible or one of the church Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And this is found on page 78 if there is a church Bible near you. Page 78. Again, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is God's holy, infallible, and life giving word. Please follow along as I read. Again, this passage in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. It begins, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son 
or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let us pray together. Well, Father God, we again come before you leaning upon your grace and your mercy. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes to see your word, open up our ears to hear the word, and Lord, help us to understand your word and to obey your word, that you may be glorified, that you may make us further into the image of Jesus Christ, God the Son. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, obeying the Ten Commandments can be very, very difficult. You know, I actually know of a guy who broke all ten of the Ten Commandments at once. Yes, in anger, this guy broke all ten of the Ten Commandments. His name was Moses. Yes, Moses threw them down in anger and literally broke those Ten Commandments. Yes, yes. Um, you thought it was me, but uh, yeah, I've probably have broken a lot of them as well. Maybe all ten. I've certainly broken all of them at one time or another. But God told Moses to get two more stone tablets so that God would write those Ten Commandments once more on those tablets. God wants us to have those commandments in our heart. And so as we begin to look at this fourth commandment in the Decalogue today, we will look at it in the context it was given, uh, when the Sabbath was first mentioned in the Bible, uh, what Jesus says about the Sabbath, and how we should be applying uh, God's word to our lives today. So as we look at this first verse, and if you're following along in the outline, I have the Sabbath down on the left-hand side. Those aren't the beginnings of the words. I just made it fit, kind of. But uh, so as we look at those at first verse, we begin, that we, it says, remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was not something new. God himself again wrote this command with his own finger on these two, two stone tablets twice, saying, remember the Sabbath day. Why was God reminding the Israelites to remember the Sabbath? It is because the Israelites and each one of us are so prone to forget. God is telling us to remember and not forget because we are prone to spiritual amnesia. You know amnesia. Amnesia is having a, a partial or total loss of memory. We easily forget or neglect God's commands in our life. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, The Lord commanded the man, Adam, namely Adam, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall eat from it, you will surely die. And in just a relatively short time later, Adam appears to have spiritual amnesia and forgets what God commanded him. We see that the serpent deceived Eve, and we see that Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit. God wants us to remember and to not forget his commands. He wants us to remember that the Sabbath was first instituted by God at creation. It wasn't 
just in Exodus chapter 20 here. It's all the way back in creation. It was one of what theologians call a creation mandate that existed before the fall. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, By the seventh day God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. God rested on the Sabbath day. The Hebrew word for Sabbath means rest. God rested not because he was tired. God does not get tired. God rested because God created the Sabbath for man. God created mankind in his own image on the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, he created, he rested, creating the Sabbath day for man. God was showing that mankind was created with a need for the Sabbath day rest, that one special day a week. So why are we commanded to remember the Sabbath day? For what? In the second half of verse 8, God says to keep the Sabbath day holy. So remember the Sabbath day and keep the Sabbath day holy. It wasn't just about remembering a particular day. People may remember that hor horrible day, September 11, 2001, when our country was attacked by terrorists. People may remember the day when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. People may remember all kinds of days and dates, like husbands better remember their wedding anniversary, right? The husband who says that he remembered his wedding anniversary but didn't do anything about it, didn't really remember the wedding anniversary very well. And that is similar to what God desires how we remember the Sabbath day. We are to remember the Sabbath day and to do something about it. We are to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Well, keeping it holy means it must have already been made holy, yes. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 says, And God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What does it mean to, for God to make it holy? The Hebrew word to make something holy means to consecrate it or to sanctify it or set it apart or dedicate it. God made the Sabbath day holy by, by setting it apart as a unique day. God dedicated it for man as a special day. And although we cannot make the Sabbath day any more holy because God has made it holy, we are to keep the Sabbath day by doing what he commands on that day. By doing what he commands. Jesus declares in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. The Lord God himself says what we are to be doing. We are to be at work for six days. We are to be at work for six days. Well, in verse 9, God says, Six days you shall do all your labor and do all your work. We are to be at work or be working for six days. Whether we are employed and getting paid, or whether we are a student, or whether we are a homemaker, or, 
or vocationally were unemployed or, or even retired were still called to work. Once again, the idea of work came from God. It, it was also a creation mandate before the fall. The mandate to work didn't stop because Adam and Eve fell in their sin. In fact, it says, because our first parents fell into temptation and sin, God said to the woman, Eve, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. This was her work. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Work is still a mandate from God at creation, and yet now, because sin, it is much more difficult. We are created to work. Uh, so, so why is there a worker shortage in our day today and such high unemployment? I'm not going to get political here. Simply put, because people in general are not working in the way that God has planned for us. He designed for us to be working. Some people merely are lazy, as the book of Proverbs says, and, and they don't want to work. And then there are other people who are not working the way God desires. They are workaholics. They can't stop working. And they work too much. Work, work matters to God. God modeled this for man in creation. For six days, God modeled work for us. God modeled work for us. We were made in the image of God to work for his glory. We were created by God to use our God-given gifts and abilities in order to love God and to love others. That's why we were created to work. God's word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are to be reminded that our, our work is always to be done unto the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We are to follow the example of God in creation, where he did all of his work in the course of six days. God didn't put off uh, work on one of those days of creation. You don't read, okay, on day three, God saw that it was a really nice day and he decided to go fishing and he, and he, put, off, he put off the rest of his work until that seventh day. Oops, we never got the seventh day of Sabbath rest. No, God worked those six days. God tells us that we are to do all of our work in those six days. Work is a creation mandate from God and it is a gift from God. I know some people, we're not thinking work so much as a gift, but it is. It's a gift from God. Keeping the Sabbath day holy means doing what God commands. It means to be at work or, or working for six days, and it means to be resting on the Sabbath. It means to be resting 
on the Sabbath. God says in verse 10, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. Part of resting on the Sabbath day means to stop doing any work. Rest means stop doing any work. It means to cease from all of your labor. To be resting on the Sabbath day means to stop all of the work that you're normally engaged in during those first six days. So, for example, if you are a school student, you are doing work at school during those days, and you will often get what I was given as homework. Uh, this can certainly be applied to homeschooling. It was called, I heard it was called seat work, not homework, but it's still work, and you get that brought home. But perhaps one of the ways to apply God's command to be resting on the Sabbath is to stop doing your schoolwork, assigned, your assigned schoolwork on the Sabbath. And this would mean that you would need to get all of your work done in the other six days. It doesn't mean to get lazy and go, oh, I don't have to work on Sunday. No, it means you're supposed to work hard on those other six days, right? I was occasionally frustrated as a seminary student at Westminster Seminary when when one of my big exams was scheduled for Monday, I was like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Don't they, don't they believe in the Sabbath? Come on, I'm gonna have, that's gonna force me to study on the Lord's day. No, I was tempted to do that. And one of my professors, I talked to him, I said that, I said, you know, you're tempting me to, to study on the Lord's day. And he says, you know, if you don't know the material by Saturday, David, it's probably not gonna make any difference anyway. <laughs> he, he was looking at my grades. <laughs> Um, what about the person who works for a company and they have these expectations on their employees to be working on Sundays as well? These are the things that we need to look at God's word and see how we are to be obedient and living the way that God desires. There are Christian-owned companies which are closed on Sundays, and for advertisement purposes, I will not mention their names, but they do make good chicken. Um, they are closed on Sundays for reasons to allow their employees to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy by not working on the Lord's Day. That does not seem to make good business sense. I think they're doing pretty well. Um, but they, they feel as though that they are obeying the Lord and trusting in him. And although the stores being closed on Sundays does not seem to be the norm for today, if you look around, there's not very, most of them are open. Years ago, there were blue laws that were in effect here in the United States, which uh, closed many stores on Sundays. Actually, there are still blue laws in effect today. It says the term blue law commonly refers to the prohibition of alcohol sales on Sunday. But historically, it defined a body of regulations or laws designed to preserve the Sabbath for, by forbidding most labor on that day. Now, I, I personally do not believe that blue laws are what is needed for us to, to be obedient, right? That's just coercion. That's, that's forcing us to not do something. God has already established his law in the Bible. And in fact, as we continue to look at God's word this morning, we can see who God is giving this commandment to. Was it just the Israelites? God says in verse 10, in it, or on it, the Sabbath day, you shall not do any work. You. So that's pretty much everybody's reading this, right? But then he goes on to clarify. Then he says, 
to the ones who also, he says, you or your son, your daughter, so this would include fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters. Sounds like everybody. God goes on to say in this commandment of those not doing any work would include their male or female servants. Not only those in your family, but the, the slaves or the hired servants as well. And I started thinking about this. Why, why was he doing this? Well, they did have slaves, they did have hired servants, but perhaps one of the reasons that God mentions this in the command would, would remind them, they would include the male and female services to remind them of what God did for these Israelites. He said, right before he gives the Ten Commands, he says, remember, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When they were enslaved under the evil tyrant Pharaoh in Egypt, did they, get the, did they get the Sabbath day rest? No. Pharaoh forced them to do work seven days a week. It was horrible. This new command would ensure that even the male and female servants would be able to remember the Sabbath day and get their rest from the work on the Sabbath. They would point to God. But God continued with the list. He didn't stop there. He, Continue the list of those who would not be able to do any work. And it says, the cattle. I was reading this going, okay, the cattle. If you look at other translations, it says all animals. So I believe it was, he was just saying all of the animals. But it would seem as if God was saying that he wanted all of creation to get rest from the work on the Sabbath. He concludes verse 10 by stating that the sojourner as well who is staying with you. So it wasn't just the Israelites. The sojourner was someone who was not an Israelite. It would have been a foreigner, a stranger, who they were housing temporarily. And it seemed clear that the, from this fourth command to refrain from work on the Sabbath included everyone, including the animals. And perhaps a question that they asked, that many people ask is, and now what? should we do on the Sabbath? And now, what should we do on the Sabbath? If we are to refrain from doing any work on the Sabbath, now what should we do on the Sabbath? Looking further ahead in God's word in Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 and following, the Lord calls us to observe the Sabbath. So he explains it further, the commandments. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come. So some people said, no, it was just for the Israelites just then. No, it was at least for the Israelites and all these people for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. We are called by God to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is a, is a sign, yes, it is a sign pointing to Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who gives us faith to trust and to know the Lord. He is the one who makes us holy. When we put our trust in Christ alone, he removes our slavery to sin and he frees us to have true and lasting rest in Jesus Christ. He makes us holy because he takes away our sin and gives us the righteousness and holiness of Christ. 
God sets us apart as his people. God describes how we are to observe the Sabbath and and what happens to those who do not obey the Sabbath. He says, observe the Sabbath day because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. What? Was God serious that whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death? In Numbers chapter 15, verse 32, write that down and look at it later on. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32, we read about someone who broke the Sabbath day. And it says, while the Israelites were in the desert, a a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath. He was gathering wood on the Sabbath. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. And then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. So if you're like me, as I I read this, you might think, wow, that that is harsh. He He was gathering wood. Yet it is not harsh. God is perfectly holy and just. And we should not be surprised at the consequences of sinning against the Lord. He was sinning against the Lord. God tells us that that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of our sin is death. We deserve death for our sin. And though we all deserve death and separation from God in a place of punishment and torment in hell, we have a God who is full of grace and mercy. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came and he lived a perfect life. He perfectly obeyed all of the commandments, including keeping the Sabbath day holy. He did everything right and nothing wrong. And then he chose to die on the cross for you and for me to pay the penalty that we deserve. He bore our sins on the cross and then conquered sin and death as he rose on that glorious Sunday morning, the day we now call the Lord's Day, the new Sabbath. It is a day that God wanted the Israelites to celebrate. They were called to celebrate the Sabbath day. And we too are called to celebrate the Sabbath day. In Exodus chapter 31, verses 16 and 17, God says the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. The Israelites were to celebrate who God is and what he has done for them. That he created them in the image of God, that he gave them that Sabbath day and made it holy, that he saved them from the land of Egypt, from the house of slavery. And we too are called to celebrate the Sabbath day, 
the Lord's Day. We are called to celebrate the Lord's Day and what he has done for us, that we are fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of God, that God has freed us from a life of slavery to sin by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are called to celebrate that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and is our perfect rest. What are we to do on the Lord's Sabbath day? We are to observe the Sabbath. We are to stop working and to rest. We are to celebrate the Sabbath. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, shares further our call to the Sabbath, to call a Sabbath a delight. We read in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14, a wonderful passage on the Sabbath. He says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I have caused you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. When we call the Sabbath day a delight, it is about loving God and loving others. It is about worshiping God and, and loving and caring for others. The Lord God has given us one day in seven to gather and worship and to celebrate what he has and what he has done. We were created with a Sabbath mode. <laughs> we gotta learn how to use it. The Lord has given us one day in seven to especially use our gifts and abilities to serve God and serve others. When we think, oh, we don't have enough time to be in God's word or to pray or to serve, we need to remember that the Lord has given us the Sabbath day, the Lord's day. We've been able to look at several passages to see what our triune God says about the Sabbath day on the old, in the Old Testament, and we can see what he says in the New Testament in the second person of the Godhead, Jesus. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, would live a perfect life while he walked among the people on our planet. And it is good that we can look at the scriptures today and say this, this is what Jesus says about the Sabbath as well. There's people that say, oh, that, that's with the Old Testament. Well, this is what Jesus says. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we see that this is what Jesus says about the Sabbath. It says, at the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, Pastor William read this earlier, his disciples were hungry and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They were pushing buttons. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered into the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day, yet they are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here, Jesus. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
The Pharisees had misunderstood and misapplied obedience to the commandments of God for years and years. The, the Pharisees thought they could somehow set up these man-made rules to try to work their way to being saved. But God's word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you see that God's law required the farmers to leave grain at the edge of the fields to be used for those in need. That's why it was legitimate for the disciples. The disciples were hungry, and it was lawful for them to pick some of these heads of grain to eat. The Pharisees were adding these man-made rules that made obeying the Sabbath day a burden and not a delight. Jesus quotes the Old Testament here. He says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God and not burnt offerings. Jesus was declaring that when God gave mankind the Sabbath day as a fourth commandment, it was an act of mercy for us. The Pharisees, like Satan, are just twisting the scriptures to make themselves look good. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 12, Jesus continues to show what the Sabbath was about. He says, going from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And he said to them, if, it, if you had a sheep and it fell into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then Jesus healed the man. Jesus is saying that it is good and pleasing to God when we do works of mercy and do good for others on the Sabbath, the Lord's Day. Jesus is the one who has done all the work for us. He has completely fulfilled and obeyed all of the commands. And and as we put our trust in him alone for the gift of eternal life and the, for the forgiveness of our sins, obeying him is no longer a burden, it is a delight. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, I'm 28. He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a blessing. As we finish up here this morning, here are some application for believers today. Uh, but before we make uh, a few applications, a clear understanding of God's word is that the Sabbath remains in effect today. Not, not the Jewish Sabbath of not pushing buttons and elevators and not using electricity. The Sabbath remains, the Christian Sabbath remains in effect for believers today. We are still called to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Although the Sabbath day was originally a creation mandate and was established on the seventh day, God had finished his creative work in six days and then he rested from that work. And then he devoted that day 
He established that day, committed that day, made holy that Sabbath day of rest, looking ahead to the one who would be the fulfillment of that perfect rest, Jesus Christ. Jesus came as the Lord of the Sabbath and did all his work, his perfect work of redemption as he lived that perfect life. And then he bled and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. And when he rose from the dead on that Sunday morning, it was a declaration of his rest from his work of redemption. He has now become our Sabbath rest. And so since the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Sabbath day has been changed from the seventh day to the first day. The disciples gathered together to worship on that first day of the week because of that. And we now spend the first day of the week as we approach these other days of the week. It is a wonderful cycle of resting in Christ first and then faithful work for six days, looking forward to that first Sabbath day of delight in that week again. The application for believers today is this. So remember the Sabbath day and keep the Sabbath day holy. Be at work for six days and be resting on the Sabbath day. This means observing the Sabbath. It means celebrating the Sabbath, calling the Sabbath a delight. And this means that we are to gather together as God's people for corporate worship. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You guys are the ones that are here. God has set aside the Lord's Day on Sunday for his people to celebrate and to worship him. To celebrate and to worship him. The, the Sabbath day is a, a day for corporate worship. It is also a day of rest from our work. It is a day of ceasing from our work that God has given us to do during those other six days. The exception is if we are doing works of mercy and necessity. And an example of this is that many our people are in the medical field. The hospitals don't shut down on Sunday, do they? They're 24-7. And so we are thankful for people doing those works of mercy and necessity. God has set aside this day for us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I saw this quote, a very helpful quote from uh, fellow pastor, theologian Sinclair Ferguson, one of my former uh, professors at Westminster Seminary, he said, we need to come to Christ to find true Sabbath rest. If you have not yet come to Christ, then the Sabbath is going to be a burden for you. You need to come to Christ and have true Sabbath rest. Put your trust in him today. Says, for then God writes his law on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Then at last we receive the law from Jesus from the hands of the one who came to bring us forgiveness and power and no longer from the hands of the Pharisees. Only when we come to Christ for true, our true Sabbath rest, then can we call the Sabbath a delight. I pray that we would all be eager and excited about the Lord's Day. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you that you have given to us uh, this command that is not to be a burden, it's to be a delight. We are thankful that we can look to you, Lord Jesus, as the Lord of the Sabbath, as the one who came and lived a perfect life, that you worked perfectly on our behalf, that you have taken our sin away, that you have given to us the holiness and righteousness of Christ, Lord, that we can have perfect rest in you. Help us, Lord, to 
love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and be reminded that you've given us this day for you and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.